0: Thank you for listening to the FBH podcast. For more information about our church, feel free to visit www.fbhanford.org. Hey, everybody. Long time no see. How are we doing? Good? Still doing good? All right, cool. I'll take it. Hey, I know some of you were concerned. Um, I got a text message from Pastor Jeff as I was backstage. He's joining us online right now, and he said that I, quote, killed those announcements. So I'm feeling pretty great about myself. Feeling pretty great about myself, uh, but whether you're, you know, joining us in person or online, we're we're glad that you're with us today. Fun fact: Today is my wife's birthday, everybody. I know, yeah, good. She can't hear you. She's holding babies right now. Um, but, uh, but Sundays aren't very fun uh, for for her when her birthday falls on a Sunday because obviously like I got stuff I got to do in the mornings and um, uh, a nap after church is always non-negotiable. So like time with her, is, uh, that's out. And then today is the Super Bowl. So like I, just pray for me that I can pull myself away from chips and dip long enough to tell my wife that I love her. Um, but uh, but if you see her uh, or if she's holding your baby or whatever, wish her a happy birthday. I'm sure she'd, she'd appreciate it. 23. She did it. She's 23. So um, anyway, I don't know why you're laughing. Um, anyway. I digress. Uh, We are walking through this series called The Creed, and um, we're taking a hard look at at our statement of faith. What are the things that we believe, hard truths, theology that we're not going to flex on, we're not going to change on, like these are those things. And so we've taken, it's been through since the beginning of the year um, that we've been looking at these things. And so uh, we started by talking about what it is that we believe about the Bible and then the Trinity and then God and then Jesus and Holy Spirit. And last week, we talked about uh, the doctrine of humanity and salvation salvation. And so what is it that we believe about man? And then uh, so we talked about like man is depraved. We're sinners. It's terrible, right? And I got halfway through our message and everybody was depressed. And then we talked about the doctrine of salvation and the fact that Jesus stepped in on our behalf. Um, And that message is important to set up where we're going today. And so um, at the end of today, if you still got some questions or whatever, go back and listen to last week's message because that really is the building block for for kind of uh, where we're going. Um, But this week we're going to talk about something that can can get a little spicy. Um, There is actually a, a deep rift in Christianity regarding this piece of theology, Um, And so there's been different denominations that have been born through this. There's different theological stances that this is one of the corner pieces to those different theological understandings and that sort of thing. And so today we are talking about the idea of eternal security. And so for some of you, you may be like, I don't understand. What what does that mean? Um, So we talked about last week the idea of salvation. Right, and so today we're going to tackle this idea. It's kind of the second half of salvation. What does it mean? How long does our salvation last? Like, can I get saved and then lose my salvation? Like, where, what, like, what happens with all of that? And so, uh, th- there's three different camps that Christianity can fall into. Okay, and so take some notes because at the end of this, these three different camps I'm talking about, I'm going to ask you to tell the person next to you where you think we fall. And then I'm going to take out my red pen and judge you all based on that. So first, um, the first camp, there are those that believe that believe that uh, those who believe that a person who trusts Jesus is saved only, though, until they sin. Okay? And so, so some will say that every time they sin, they need to go and ask for forgiveness and be saved again. Not just the idea of Jesus, forgive me for my sins, but, but, but to get saved completely and totally again. Like if they died... Without forgiveness, they wouldn 't go to heaven right that 's their understanding and so others within this same camp would actually say that that it 's not just any sin though it takes a really bad sin in order to to lose your your salvation so a person who trusts in Jesus but then that person like murders someone or commits suicide or or, or you know something like that would lose their salvation or if they beat people up or torture someone like those sins are all bad enough to lose their salvation but according to this group this group of people like um you wouldn't lose your salvation if you just did like baby sins right like like if you like just ate too much at your super bowl party this afternoon or something like that right like those sins are cool like don't worry about those sins you won't lose your salvation for getting fat um Sorry, only some of you laughed at that. I am so sorry if I offended somebody in the room, Um, but that's the first. That's the first camp. The second camp doesn't accept this. They will tell you that that your sins, that all of your sins, are always forgiven, and the only way you lose your sin or lose your salvation is if you lose your faith, right? So if you believed in Jesus and then lost that faith, then you would lose your salvation. They say that your salvation is based on your faith. In Jesus. And once that faith is gone, salvation is gone as well. And the third camp uh, is is the camp that they say once saved, always saved. And so if a person believes in Jesus, then they will never need, uh, or they will never lose their salvation. So let me tell you, all of these camps have massive followings in Christianity. And all of these camps can indeed back up what they believe through Scripture in some way. So I want you to take, it, to take a second now with the person you came with, you're sitting by, write it in your notes, write it in the chat if you're joining us online, what camp, one, two, or three, do you think we fall into at FBH? Go ahead. You can talk now. Go ahead. This is when you talk. Good. All right. So the question is, where do we land? Where do we land? Let me read you what our statement of faith says. It's going to be up there. It says, because God gives us eternal life through Jesus Christ, the true believer is secure in that salvation for eternity, okay? Doctrine of eternal security. If you have been genuinely saved, you cannot lose it. Key word there is going to be genuinely, so hold on to that. Genuinely saved, you cannot lose it. Salvation is maintained by the grace and power of God, not by the self-effort of the Christian. It is the grace and keeping power of God that gives us this security. It is finished. Jesus finished the work he came to do. He finished fulfilling every prophecy given about the life and death of the Messiah. Okay? So, in case you're wondering, for all of you who need to elbow your spouse, the person you came with, or whatever it may be, we are camp three that we would fall into. Once saved, always saved. Okay? So let me, let me try to illustrate it for you, and then we're going to get to Scripture. We're going to be in Ephesians 2 today, so if you want to flip there and ignore my illustration, that's fine. So pretend now all of us have just boarded a jet for somewhere. Where do you guys want to go? We're going to go to Croatia. Okay? We all boarded a jet to go to Croatia for some reason. Okay, we're going to go on vacation in Croatia, and we get there, we get to this jet, and we look down, and we're excited, we're, we got our bathing suits going, like we're going to Croatia, and we look down, and we see that at our feet, there's these bicycle pedals, and that's a little concerning, right? Like, why are there bicycle pedals on a plane? So you do the dinger thing, and you, you call the stewardess or the steward to come over, and uh, you say, hey, just question real quick. Uh, I see there's like pedal, like bicycle pedals at my seat. Is there something specifically I need to do? Like during the flight, is this like an emergency exit where I need to be physically capable enough to do something to make sure that I'm good, right? The, the, the flight attendant's like, well, well, look around. You look around and, and man, there's bicycle pedals in front of everybody. Like this is concerning at this point. You're like, well, what, like why, why do I need these bicycle pedals for my flight? And the flight attendant said, well, you know, the pilot, the pilot agreed to get us to 30,000 feet. Like we're going to do takeoff, like the pilot's going to get us to 30,000 feet. But the pilot said, once you got to 30,000 feet, it's actually our responsibility to keep that plane in the air. Okay? So once we get to 30,000 feet, we'll let you know there'll be a little dinger that comes on again. And that's when we need to start pedaling as fast as we possibly can to make sure that all of us get to Croatia in one piece. Okay. This is the doctrine of eternal security. Okay. okay, This is what we're talking about. That seems absurd, right? That seems absolutely absurd that we say, hey, you know what? I'm going to get in a plane. The pilot's going to get me to 30,000 feet, but I need to keep that plane in the air by pedaling as hard and as fast as I can by the works that I am going to do in order to make sure that I end up in Croatia in one piece. It does not matter how hard or fast or how in shape you are. You are not getting that plane to Croatia. It is not happening. It is the same exact thing that we see with our faith. If the pilot of our souls doesn't get us up and keep us up, we have no hope. It's not happening. I know myself well enough that if, like, if my salvation depended on me doing good things, if my salvation depended on me not sinning, if my salvation depended on me pedaling a plane through the air at 30,000 feet, I'm hosed from the get-go. It's not going to happen. And Charles Stanley, he's a, he's a famous pastor, and he was raised in a church where he was taught all of his life that, that you could lose your salvation. Right? And he didn't, didn't believe in this idea of eternal security that we believe in, this idea of once saved, always saved. And in Bible college, he began to kind of grapple with this issue. And so I want to read you a quote from Charles Stanley. He says this, It was my intense study of the scripture that caused me to begin doubting my position, that you could lose your salvation. Verse by verse, I picked my way through the passages used to support each view. Through this process, two things became apparent. I was guilty of ignoring the context of many verses that I had quoted to defend my view. When I began to dig deeper into the text, they took on different meanings. Secondly, I discovered through my study that the belief in salvation by grace cannot be reconciled with the belief that one can lose his salvation. If I must do or not do something in order to keep from losing it, then salvation would not be by faith. But by works. I specifically remember the day that this truth dawned on me. I found myself in a theological fork in the road. To maintain my position, I realized that I would have to abandon my belief in salvation by grace alone. It was like a light came on. Suddenly, I saw it. I wanted to shout. I felt like a man just freed from prison. I began to thank God that for all of those years, I was wrong. And then I was struck with the most awesome thought of all, I had been eternally secure since the day I got saved as a 12-year-old boy. So we're talking about this idea of eternal security. It really does come down to this idea of, of how is it that you are saved? Is it by grace, through faith, or is it through the things that you can physically do to save yourself? Is it through grace or through is it by grace or through works? And many of you are saying, like, maybe, hopefully for a lot of you in here, like, I already agree with this. I already agree with the idea of eternal security. So I don't need to talk about it. Or maybe there's others in you, of you in here who you were like me as a junior higher. Like, I stressed about this. Right? I was so concerned. I remember being at camp and someone introduced to me for the first time this idea of, like, uh, of the unforgivable sin right? And I was like, wait, there's an unforgivable sin? What, somebody tell me, what, the, what is this unforgivable sin? And so like every five minutes, I was like, Jesus, please save me. Jesus, please save me. Jesus, like I was so stressed out that I was going to end up in hell. Like what would happen? Like if, like if I walked out into the street and a car hit me and I had an impure thought right before the car hit me, like that's it. I'm going to hell forever. Like, maybe that's you you're like, man, I am so stressed about like my eternal security, regardless of the camp that you fall into. Like we need to be able to express our understanding here. First Peter 3.15 talks about like this need for us to be able to defend our faith. It says, but in our hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and, and respect. We need to be able to articulate why it is that we believe what it is that we believe. Okay, so regardless of where you find yourself today, hopefully this position, like this will strengthen your position and maybe deepen your appreciation for what it is that you have in Christ. Hopefully it's because you want to live a more holy life because of that appreciation. But a lot of us, man, we could be confused by this issue. Like junior high me, like I was confused by this issue. We need to get it nailed down. This is huge, and it really is about whether salvation is by grace or by works. So opponents to this this theology, to this doctrine, and those people would say that, that if I believed that way, I believe that, that, that all I had to do was be saved, man. I would just get saved. I would pray that prayer, and then I would live however I wanted to live. I would do whatever I wanted to do. Jesus, here's my ticket to get into heaven. I prayed that prayer when I was eight years old at VBS, took care of it, and so now I can do whatever it is that I want to do. Well, first of all, you can't get saved with that kind of attitude. For to be saved, you actually need to have faith. Like Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, we talked about that last week, you have to both believe in your heart and confess with your lips that Jesus Christ is Lord, okay? So belief is a massive part of that, okay? And you can't just live however you want, like, like just because of this idea of unconditional love. I love my kids. I love them unconditionally. There is nothing I would not do for my kids. I don't always like them unconditionally, but I love them unconditionally, Right? Parents in the room, give me an amen. Come on. Thank you. Hey, so I love them unconditionally. That does not mean that my kids can go do whatever it is that they want to do, right? Like, well, dad's going to love me unconditionally anyway. I'm going to eat ice cream three times a day, and even though it's mom's birthday, I'm going to go be mean to mom all the time. Like, not going to happen. Not okay. There are repercussions for those actions, well, yeah, but you love me unconditionally. Yes, but I have an expectation as to the way that you should behave, right? And so it's the same thing that we find ourselves in. Like, like, hey, my kids, I'm sure are going to do dumb things. They've already done dumb things. They will continue to do dumb things. All of you, as you were growing up, did dumb things, and your status as a member of your family did not change. The repercussions of your actions may be changed. Some things, maybe your parents didn't like you as much for a week or so, but your status as a member of your family did not. And so just because you're loved unconditionally doesn't mean you can live however you want. Because you can confess with your lips, but unless you actually believe in your heart, you won't be saved. And like we talked about numerous times, belief dictates our actions. That's the difference between knowing something and believing something. Okay, we can know something, but it doesn't dictate our actions. Belief should dictate our actions. It's the same reason I know that the vast majority of of us in here, maybe not the majority, I don't want to offend people, Okay, but a lot of us in here, myself included, don't actually believe that eating healthy is good for you. We don't actually believe it. If that were true, we we would be able to pull ourselves away from the chips and queso, which is the second time I've talked about chips and dip this morning, so you know where my heart is at. (laughs) And you would have something green that tastes like grass, right? Like, Like belief dictates our actions. That should be true of us. And so Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, it talks about this idea of eternal security, It's not on the screen, but this is what it says. It says, for it is is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the free gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Has nothing to do with you. Has absolutely nothing to do with what you have done or what you will do. And not just to the point of salvation, but your security in that salvation as well. And to be frank, man, read all of Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to get to more of it right now. But read all of Ephesians chapter 2. Anything you want to know regarding salvation, Ephesians chapter 2. It's an incredible passage. But one of the, the main reasons that I believe in eternal security is because salvation is the Lord's and the Lord's alone. And it's nothing to do with you. So let's read Ephesians 2. Starting in verse one, it says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and your sins. Pause. That's the first half of my message last week. You were dead in your transgressions. Genesis chapter three, man fell, imputed sin, inherited sin, all of those buzzwords that we talked about last week. That's our spiritual condition. You were dead in your transgressions and your sins. Dead, but I'm breathing. Yeah, but you're spiritually dead. You know, after Adam sinned, in the garden. It said he was spiritually dead even though he lived for another 900 years after that. Dead. When you get saved, God does something incredible. He sends sends his Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, Southern Baptists would say to, to quicken or make alive your spirit. Your spirit is resurrected, raised from the dead, born again. And the Holy Spirit takes up residence in your heart forever. You are sealed from that point forward. Forever. I, I used to get freaked out. Apparently I was really scared of Christianity when I was younger. But, but I used to get freaked out that like a demon would indwell me. Right? Did anybody have that irrational fear too? Like I was always terrified about that until I learned about this idea of being sealed by the Spirit. And if you are a believer, you believe in your heart and confess with your lips that Jesus Christ is Lord, guess what? You're sealed up. There's nothing that the enemy can do inside of you. The Holy Spirit has taken up residence forever. You are sealed like an envelope. Done. Over. So this continues on. Ephesians 2.2. So it says, 2-1 says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. Just kind of doing whatever it is that, 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 that the world kind of tells them to do, kind of like a, like a dead fish that's floating aimlessly downstream. Stream turns, dead fish turns, stream turns, dead fish turns. That's just kind of the way that we we would live our lives before Christ came in. No direction. We were dead in our sins. We simply flow by the way of the world. Whichever direction the world goes, we go. But it keeps going in verse 3. It says, actually, all of us also lived among them at one time. Talking about the people who just kind of go by the way of the world. Gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. We were by nature. We were born depraved. Doing wrong comes easily to us. That's what we're good at. Doing right happens only when we are taught, nurtured, disciplined, saved from that. You don't have to teach your kids to do wrong. They're good at it already. Except my kids. They're pastor's kids. So you know they're perfect. You know, they never do anything bad. As a joke for those of you who don't know me. But think about it. Why does a dog bark? It's in his nature. Why does he bury his bones? It's in his nature. Why are cats evil? It's in their nature. (laughs) All right? Why do birds fly south in the winter? It's in their nature. Why do politicians lie? It's in their nature, right? Like all of those things. It is in their nature. So when the Bible says that our nature is sinful, it's because it is in our nature, the sin nature. You're not a sinner because you sin. You sin because you're a sinner. And the Bible says our nature is sinful because our spirit is dead. The end of verse 3 says we are deserving of wrath. So all of this points to the fact that salvation, though, is not temporary, and we also have no control over it. Salvation is of the Lord's and of the Lord's Lord's alone. And so verse 3, like I said, that's a depressing end to everything, but the two most important words in all of Ephesians chapter 2 are found in verse 4, where it says, but and God. It says, but God. But because of his great love for us, God... Who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace that you have been saved. By grace, not by works. Only God could take this bleak situation described above and do something about it. In order for you to lose your salvation, your spirit would have to die after God raised it from the dead. And last I checked, God is pretty good about raising things from the dead. And so it doesn't, like it, like it, doesn't even, it doesn't even make sense. That's why Hebrews 6 says, if it were possible to lose your salvation, you could never be saved again because Jesus would then have to be crucified again, put to death again. And that's not going to happen. In Ephesians 1:13 and 14, flip back a page. It says, And you were also included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, sealed by the Spirit. Verse 14, Who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. The Holy Spirit is a deposit for what's to come. Think about when when uh, when you were in college, or maybe you live in an apartment now, or or you're a renter. You're a renter, right? Like you have to put down a security deposit. That security deposit is not for you, right? Most of us actually hate it or hated it when we had to do it. You're like I'm never getting that 1800 bucks back or whatever your security deposit was at the time at least that's what we said in college because we had airsoft wars inside. <laughs> Some of you are very concerned right now. That deposit wasn't for us. That deposit was for the owner. Right? That deposit was made to make sure that that the owner knew That regardless of what happened, regardless of what happened to the house, it was already taken care of. So that deposit, that's for us. That deposit that God makes is for each and every one of us. That we know regardless of what happens in our life, that God's already got it taken care of. My spirit lives inside of you. I have it taken care of forever. But here's the problem. The problem is, is that, that, that some people claim, man, man, we think that, oh, man, well, I backslid, and well, I got saved again. It's not, that's not a thing. Getting saved again is not a thing. Some, man, some of us think we get saved every year. I had high school students that every summer camp, they got saved again. It was crazy. Well, I got drunk, and I lost my salvation. Did you? Did your resurrected spirit really die again? The Holy Spirit died and then Jesus was crucified again and the Holy Spirit came and resurrected your spirit again. You got saved again. And the thought is, well, okay, well, that means that I can go and do whatever I want. Can I do that? Can I go do and live however I want to do? That, I mean, the short answer to that question is actually, yes, you can. You can go do whatever you want to do. But the Bible was also very clear about the true believer will yield fruit in their life. If you need a Bible explanation for for those who seem to have been saved and lost their salvation, you can look at 1 John 2.19. In 1 John 2.19, John is actually talking to a church at this point. And he's saying, hey, look, there were a bunch of teachers who came and then those teachers left. These guys, they were good. They were so good at preaching the resurrection. They were so good about talking about Jesus. They were so good about talking about faith that they let them teach to people. This is what John says about them. It says, they went out from us, but they really didn't belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained in us. But their going showed that none of them belonged to us. They never belonged in the first place. And I think this is the concern. I think this is the fear of the vast majority of Christians. Not whether my salvation is eternally secure, but whether or not i have been saved in the first place that's the fear that's the concern that's what can keep moms up at night rubbing their hands wondering if their son or daughter is actually eternally secure is were they saved in the first place i think a good barometer for this for all of us is the evidence of a life that is being lived according to the word and the spirit of god you want to know if you've been saved are you holier now than you were a year ago, maybe five years ago, ten years ago? Even for those of you who are like, hey, I, I came to faith when I was five years old. I don't know what my life looked like when I was, like, I don't know how bad of a sinner I was. Like, yeah, I stole some gummy bears and hid them under my pillow to eat it at bedtime. But apart from that, I don't think I was a, a, a dirty, rotten sinner or anything like that. So how do, you, how do I know? Well, everybody's favorite Sunday school lesson from Galatians chapter 5, because you can bring a bowl of fruit and compare it to the fruit of the Spirit, right, is are you more loving today than you were at this time last year? Are you more gentle today than you were at this time five years ago? Are you more patient today than you were at this time ten years ago? What is the evidence of the Holy Spirit in your life? You want to know if you're ever saved in the first place? To the evidence of your life. The Bible is very, very clear that we will bear fruit as believers. So I know all of us said, Well, I prayed the prayer. And the question becomes do you actually believe in your heart? Are you actually becoming more holy every single day? And that's a question you're going to have to grapple with. It's a question you're going to have to, have to work through and, and understand is, do I actually have belief? Because again, your belief will dictate your actions. Right? Even demons know and shudder at the name of Jesus. They understand who he is. They have the knowledge of who he is. That falls short of saving faith though. Do you actually believe in your heart? And then once the answer to that question is, yes, man, you're done. It's it. You're saved. For e-. Like, you have eternal security. And so I'll land, I'll land the plane with this. I'm not an illustrations guy normally, and this will probably go bad. But this is a marker. Everybody agree? End of illustration. No, just kidding. Okay, so this is a marker, okay? And, and this marker, I'm going to set it down right here, this marker represents my life. Every single part, everything that I wanted to be, like I was born right here, I was married right here, I had a kid right here, and 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 a kid right there. Right, Like, like that represents my life. And regardless of how bad that that marker wants to to be used by a whiteboard, like wants to be put into somebody's hand and and, and written and and brainstormed these beautiful notes across this beautiful whiteboard And, and, and as beautiful, like as much as that marker wants to be held, that marker cannot be held until my hand, God, just for now, God picks it up. That marker did Nothing. It did absolutely nothing. All it did was sitting there, having babies, apparently. (laughs) And then God picked up that marker and decided it was time for that marker to be used. And even as this marker sits in my hand now, it is doing nothing to stay in my hand. There's nothing sticky on the outside of it. There's no loophole that's like clinging to my finger or anything like that. This marker remains secure in my hand for one reason and one reason only, because I'm holding on to it. That's it. And it doesn't matter how dried out this marker gets. It doesn't matter like how useless this marker becomes or old or, or, or you know, stagnant or this spiritual, okay, the, it's breaking down at this point. But you guys know what I'm trying to say. That marker has done nothing to earn anything. And all it does, like the only reason that it stayed in my hand is because I held it there. It is the same with your salvation. It is the same with your faith. You do nothing to earn faith, or earn earn salvation rather. You do nothing to keep salvation. Because if that was the case, our legs would be really tired by now. And none of us would have a shot ever. And so church, the reason this matters is because so, so oftentimes, we get, this is one of those areas that we get so like caught up in and so worried about and we worried about our kids and we worried about you know grandkids maybe and even just ourselves and we just think to ourselves am I actually going to heaven i need to repent again like you're living that junior high peter life of like oh man did i sin in the last 5 minutes i need to repent again and again i need to be saved again and i need to be saved again and i need to be saved again and we just get lost in that and we don't elevate our sight lines enough to realize there's an entire world who hasn't entered into the kingdom yet This entire world that needs to understand not just the idea of salvation, but needs to understand the idea that, hey, once God has got you, it's done, it's over, you are secure forever, period. And we're doing the kingdom a disservice if all we're worried about and fretting about is our own security, when their salvation hasn't yet been secured. That's our responsibility. That's your responsibility to the people that you already have in your life. We need to not be consumed by the fear of whether or not we are saved. And church, we got to be willing to look towards those who are currently not saved. If you believe in your heart and you confess with your lips that Jesus Christ is Lord, you are saved forever period. Amen, church? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your son. Thank you for his salvation. And God, thank you that salvation has nothing to do with us, that we can gain no favor in your eyes, that it doesn't matter how nice we are. It doesn't matter how much money we give. It doesn't matter how fast we pedal our feet, Father, that you're the one keeping us afloat in the first place. That as long as we believe in our heart and confess with your lips that Jesus Christ is Lord, that your son is Lord, then we are secure forever and you've guaranteed that so that none of us can boast. And so God, I pray this morning that if If you're in here today, and you are yet, like if God has not yet picked you up and held you secure, make a profession of faith this morning. Confess with your lips this morning that it is by grace that you have been saved by faith then, that you indeed believe in your heart. You can pray with me now. Simply say, Father, A, I admit that I'm a sinner in need of a savior. And I repent of my sins. I wanna turn from those sins, Father. I admit that, but B, I believe that you sent your son to die on a cross for me. So that I could be made righteous. I could stand justified. I could be in heaven with you for all of eternity. And at see, I would choose to follow you every single day of my life. That from this point forward, I would seek to become more holy as you continue to make me more holy. God, thank you for holding me secure. I love you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.